0: Episode 69, Church History, Part 25 In the 11th century, the feudal system of class rankings is more established in the European culture. Pope Leo XI established papal reform of no more simony or selling of church offices and roles. He also declared the clergy to be celibate. Pope Nicholas declared the church's independence by centralizing the selection of popes by the cardinals in a Rome assembly. Henry IV, a German king and the Holy Roman Emperor in the latter part of the 11th century wanted imperialism and the church to be only subject to the state, similar to the Carolingian and Otto dynasties. However, the majority of other popes, like Gregory VIII, held to Pope Nicholas's declaration and believed the papacy held the power over the church. The pope, in his role as head of the church, is the vice agent of God on earth so that disobedience to him implies disobedience to God, or in other words, a defection from Christianity. What? The church and the state coexisted as a divine ordinance with the church holding the control. The pope had universal control and authority, not the German kings or the holy Roman emperors. Charlemagne was able to seize land from the Lombards, and the Ottos continued their siege, but could not get a hold of Jerusalem. The Arabs, or Muslims, who had seized the lands in the 7th century, still maintained control over Jerusalem in the 11th century. The Seljuk Turks raided the Byzantine Empire and with peaceful agreements obtained the land. So, the papacy wanted Jerusalem. So, the First Crusade, or religious wars, began in 1095 A.D. to recover Jerusalem from Muslim rule. Encyclopedia.com states, The Muslims who control the Holy Land or Palestine were more often than not friendly to visiting European pilgrims, who after all were good for the local economy. The Muslims even allowed the existence of monasteries of every Christian denomination in the region. That was nice of them. In a sermon at the Council of Clermont on November 26, 1095 AD, Pope Urban II painted a gruesome image of the Muslim occupation of Jerusalem and promised remission of sins for all those who would go on a crusade to liberate the Holy Land. Thousands of knights responded to this call to arms, and the result was the first crusade from 1095 to 1099 A.D. We learned in episode 67 that this go to war for me and I will give you something was feudalism or the feudal system. The nobles were subordinate to the king, the lords were subordinate to the nobles, peasants were servants to the lords. So these thousands of knights or lords were willing to fight for the pope, were now vassals of the pope. The pope and the knights are in a feudal agreement where the knights will fight and the pope will forgive their sins. Wow. Pope Urban's speech started the First Crusade by convincing his Christian followers to destroy the enemies of the Pope for spiritual reward. Urban declared war on the Muslims, and he encouraged everyone to wear a cross on their foreheads or chest. Miriam webster states, Those who responded wore crosses of cloth on their breast to identify themselves as soldiers in Christ's army. The French word for such holy wars was crusade, C-R-O-I-S-A-D-E, derivative of C-R-O-I-S, meaning cross. Crusade meant cross. We studied in prior episodes that the cross was and is pagan. Listen to this excerpt from Pope Urban's speech per Edgar Holmes MacNeil, a source book for medieval history. All who die by the way, whether by land or by sea, or in battle against the pagans, shall have immediate remission of sins this i grant them through the power of god with which i am invested oh what a disgrace if such a despised and base race which worship demons should conquer a people which has the faith of omnipotent god and is made glorious with the name of christ with what reproaches will the Lord overwhelm us if you do not aid those who with us profess the Christian religion. Let those who have been accustomed unjustly to wage private warfare against the faithful, now against the infidels, and end with victory this war which should have been begun long ago. He says, let those who for a long time have been robbers, now become knights let those who have been fighting against their brothers and relatives now fight in a proper way against the barbarians let those who have been serving as mercenaries for small pay now obtain the eternal reward let those who have been wearing themselves out in both body and soul now work for a double honor behold on this side will be the sorrowful and poor on that the rich on this side, the enemies of the Lord, on that his friends. Let those who go not put off the journey, but rent their lands and collect money for their expenses. And as soon as winter is over and spring comes, let him eagerly set out on the way with God as their guide. Wow, just listening to Pope Urban's words, you can see the manipulation and the control all in the name of their Christian God to complete his or her or their selfish ambitions. What man has the right to forgive sins? No man does. Christian religion is a man-made religion to serve the purpose of man to kill, steal, destroy, and become very wealthy. It started out this way back then, and look around, it's the same today. Jerusalem belonged to the ancient Israelites and did not belong to Europe, the Roman empire, the Catholic Christian church or religion, nor the papacy, which all these people were and are descendants of Japhet. But in the name of Christianity, Jerusalem belonged to them. They themselves were stealing, killing and destroying, but that was not evil for them to do it. But it was evil for everyone else who did the exact same evil. Basically their evil was okay since they were Christians. Make it make sense. After hearing Pope Urban's speech, historians noted thousands of lords or nobles fell to their knees and gave themselves and property to the Pope and his endeavors. Urban's speech inspired the Crusades, so Pope Urban and his papal delegations took his message throughout Europe. All feudal agreements were put on hold until after the war. The peasants and the vassals were free for the duration of the war. Will Durant in the Age of Faith states, Urban established a new principle of obedience above the code of feudal loyalty. Now, more than ever, Europe was made one. Urban found himself as the accepted master, at least in theory, of Europe's kings. All Christendom was moved as never before, as it feverishly prepared for the Holy War. In Central and Northern Europe, 60,000 joined the cause as they were promised forgiveness of sin, tax exemption, debts put on hold prison releases. So the first crusade of this holy war was made by about 12,000 poor Christian peasants, along with some knights led by Peter the Hermit, preacher of Urban's Message, and Walter the Penniless. toward the end of 1095 to 1096 AD. These men, they were not trained and had no sufficient resources, but they were heeding the call for Pope Urban. They marched toward Jerusalem and found themselves in a big mess. Historians note that this large group were untrained and illiterate peasants who didn't even know where Jerusalem was located. On the way to Jerusalem, they had to fight the Hungarians and they depleted resources and strength. The Turks finds them and slaughters the majority of the crusaders. Will Durant, in the Age of Faith, states, A disciplined force of Turks, all skilled bowmen, marched out from their city and almost annihilated this first division of the First Crusade. Walter the Penelous was among the slain. Peter the Hermit, disgusted with his uncontrollable host, had returned before the battle to Constantinople and lived until 1115 A.D. In August of 1096 AD, four main crusader armies left Europe around the appointed time. They took different paths to Constantinople and gathered outside the city walls between November 1096 and April 1097, per Thomas Asbridge and per the First Crusade, a new history. Emperor Alexis was more prepared for the crusaders. There were fewer incidents of violence along the way. Some historians put a figure of 70,000 to 80,000 on the number who left Western Europe Europe in the year after Clermont and more joined in the three-year duration. Estimates for the number of knights range from 7,000 to 10,000. There were 35,000 to 50,000 foot soldiers and including non-combatants, a total of about 60,000 to 100,000 went to fight in this holy war. Jerusalem, one city, three faiths. Karen Armstrong writes, it was a good time to attack the Seljuks. Their early solidarity had given way to factional strife and the Emirs were fighting one another. The crusaders made a good start. They inflicted defeats on the Turks at Nicaea. but it was a long journey. Food was scarce and the Turks pursued a scorched earth policy. It took the crusaders three years of unimaginable part to reach Jerusalem. When they arrived at Antioch, they laid siege to this powerfully fortified city during the terrible winter of 1097 to 1098 AD. Over the course of the siege, one man in seven starved to death and half the army deserted. Yet against the odds, the crusaders were ultimately victorious. And when they stood at last before the walls of Jerusalem in 1099 AD, they had changed the map of the Near East. The Crusaders or Christian Europeans beheaded the Arabs. Many Muslims were killed along with women and their infant children. The Israelites there, during the time of the Crusaders' siege, were burned to death in a synagogue. Crusaders captured Nicaea in 1097. Edessa was established as the first Crusader state. They captured Antioch in June 1098. Jerusalem was seized in 1099 AD. And around July 1099, the church council was held in the Church of the Holy Sepulcher to establish governance for Jerusalem. They offered prayers and thanksgiving for their accomplishments. Godfrey of Bouillon, a French nobleman, became the first ruler of the Kingdom of Jerusalem from 1099 to 1100 A.D. Four Crusader states were established in the Near East, the County of Edessa in Turkey, the Principality of Antioch, the Kingdom of Jerusalem, and the County of Tripoli near Lebanon and Syria. After the Crusaders accomplished their goal by capturing Jerusalem, many went back home, while the Muslims orchestrated their plots to take it back. Since Jerusalem wasn't very populated, Baldwin II, who crowned himself the Frankish king of Jerusalem, imported Syrian Christians to live in the abandoned houses and to build new churches. As a result, Jerusalem grew to about 30,000. The Christian Syrians made Jerusalem a military state as they built churches and stone walls around the city to fortify it. In 1144 AD, the Muslims of Aleppo take Edessa, and this launched the Second Crusade, led by Jocelyn II, the Frankish Count of Edessa, But it didn't end well. They got hammered by the Muslims. The males were killed and the women and children enslaved. Thus, the Christian European Holy War began to dwindle. In 1187 AD, Saladin and the Muslims formed a jihad and they take back Jerusalem. But they didn't kill any of the Christians and they allowed the barons to buy their freedom the Roman Catholic Christian Church was furious. So a third crusade led by Pope Clement III resulted in them only capturing Acre, And that's it. Then there was the fourth crusade, the fifth crusade, the sixth crusade, and the seventh crusade, which none of them allowed them to take back. Jerusalem in 1291 AD, Mamluk and the Muslims, they take Acre away from the Franks and destroy it. 1291 AD was the end of the Christian European holy wars. It was over. Kingdompreppers.com states What the Crusades accomplished was blocking the Muslims from controlling the entire Mediterranean coast, which prior to the first crusade they were on the verge of doing. The era of the Crusades also saw the merger of religious devotion and military aggression, the combined act of which came with papal promises of spiritual reward, chiefly the complete remission of sins. This ideal normalized the frenzied killing of those considered to be infidels to the Christian mind and that did not include Muslims alone, but Israelites too. Hebrew Israelites were killed with abandon in this brutal period, not only in Palestine, not only by Christians, but also in Muslim areas of the Iberian Peninsula at the hands of Berber rules from the 12th century onward. Israelites had to leave those regions and settled in Christian controlled lands, which saw them forced to convert to Christianity in the late 14th century, mass conversions on the part of Israelites followed, but many of them were merely pretending to convert to save their lives while secretly practicing their own ancient culture. With their ultimate victory over the Muslims in Winquesta, a feat born out of the crusading spirit, The Spanish and the Portuguese emerged as dominant players on the world stage. The Iberian Peninsula was transformed into a multicultural and ethnically diverse society primed for imperial expansion. The Pope had universal control and authority and convinced the masses to fight for their selfish ambitions and feudal agreements. Promising people to fight and kill and in return obtain forgiveness of sins makes you wonder if ISIS and the jihad learned from the European Catholic Christians to do what they do. These European Catholic Christian Crusaders were killing and destroying Muslims, who we learned are Ishmaelites, descendants of Ishmael. Ishmael, the son of Abraham and Hagar. These Christians were beheading Arabs. These European Catholic Christian Crusaders were killing and destroying blood Israelites from the 12 tribes of Israel, or 12 sons of Jacob, burning them in a synagogue. Really? Really? And still today, we have popes, bishops, and many religious and Christian leaders and pastors around the world ruling their churches or empires with masses of people in a feudal system. Give me your tithes and offerings, and I will pray for you. I will preach to you. I'll give you a word. Members are vassals to the church leader as that church leader collects their tax-free money. Georgetown University has attempted to put a dollar value on religion, releasing findings from a study that says organized religion and behaviors associated with it contribute, by one estimate, nearly $1.2 trillion dollars, To the United States, Brian Grimm of Faith Counts states religion contributes $378 billion by the most conservative of estimates and up to $4.8 trillion to the U.S. annually. The Romans established the 10% tithing of income, and this was not a custom of the ancient Israelites nor Yeshua's disciples. Do we not see the Roman Christian system of the Middle Ages and prior to are still in operation today? Like when will we wake up and understand this Roman system is not for us? We have the Most High who loves us and is waiting for us to seek Him. Seek Him for our present, our past, our future. Seek Yah and not man. Jeremiah 29 13. And ye shall seek me and find me. When ye shall search for me with all your heart. Deuteronomy 28 12. Yah shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven, to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. As we seek truth, please seek truth with us. Please send questions or comments to info at truthroars.com or come in here. We don't claim to know everything. We just seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that knows everything. Let truth roar. Let truth reign. Let truth speak. And let truth set you and your entire family free. Truth roars. Truth reigns. Truth speaks. Truth sets me free. Please see a podcast disclaimer at truthwars.com.